like ugh, cringingly specific. <laughs> I mean, that's what I think it feels like if you're in a super perfectionist mindset. It just like it's uh, it just like cuts you from under from your legs. <laughs> I don't know. Before Why you that? even get started, like I don't know, it just like takes away your ability to move forward. Like it just it like undermines everything you do in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Perfectionist. Perfectionism is bad. You just said overthinking things. Do you think that, like, overthinking things and perfectionism are, like, uniquely linked? Can you overthink things but not be a perfectionist? I feel like I'm that way. Like, I'm definitely not a perfectionist. I'm like yes, a... No, I'm a workaholic. That's different than a, than, a, than a perfectionist, and that's even different than, like, than, like, probably a hard worker, in a way. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. One is, like, compulsive work, and the other is uh, fear of sending something half-baked into the world, or... A perfectionist. Yeah. Yeah. be the perfectionist. Totally. um, Yeah, I guess they can be different, but anyway. Totally. I didn't draw it, but... (laughs) That would have been cool, though. I would love to see a perfectionist cutting off with the knee axe murder villain. Yeah. He would he would be like he would go up to people with an axe and he'd be like about to like take a swing like he just jumps out of the bushes and he's like wait wait and he's like calibrating his like you know uh-huh. circumference and like his uh-huh. swing measurement like how like a golfer like obsessively you know does like a like does like a golf swing. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I've been around of obsessive uh, golf swingers. Really? Yeah. Not myself included. Uh-huh. Yeah. Bloomberg. Bloom. <laughs> yeah. I've probably said this to you before, but, like, here's the thing. Like, golf is a sport that, on its own, isolated from everything else surrounded it, is very fun and very relaxing. Uh-huh. But everything else around, surrounding it, the culture, the cost, the people who play golf... <laughs> the water. Are gener- yeah, the ecological impact. Horrible. Everything uh-huh. horrible. Everything about it, terrible. Yeah. Um, but the game itself is actually very relaxing. A lot of people our age actually really get into, like, the mini-golf. They, they do that a lot, so. When's the last time you did mini golf? I've never done it. You've never done mini Yeah. Mini-golf? Well, if we have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It I'm, sounds all right. I remember I, it's just like hitting a putt-putt through a windmill the size of, you know, a small child. I have really good aim. Yeah. So. Really? You saw that today. I, like, hit the sign with the rock. The sign? Oh, that was crazy. Yeah, we were walking on a beach today. And there was this, like, sign nailed to a tree that had fallen over on the beach, kind of, I don't know, 20 feet in front of us. You're just like, oh, look at that sign. Just picked up a rock. Just hit the metal. Just, like, way across on the first try. take seriously ritualize it so we've kind of ritualized this experience with uh creating some kind of like circle of energy mm-hmm. and we've done that with some candles this time around and some stones it looks like and some stones. yeah what do we got here rock like, salt or something is that what that is yeah it's nice. the, the thing that dissolves in the bathroom yeah um 
yeah. So we have a ritual surrounded by candles. And um, what do you? Th- what would you say? In a w- the word we keep coming back to about what this podcast is is elevation, right? Would you agree? Yeah, uh, elevation and like um, some kind of like spiritual connection to what we do. Hmm. Yeah. And or that's fa- different from religious connection mm-hmm. but i mean it's like you know you've you've heard the like joke like ha religious but not or spiritual but not religious like quote unquote 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 as like this thing as like this sort of this phrase that a lot of non-religious people say to sort of be agnostic against the possibility of even trying to describe what it is that they believe and that's yeah. basically the beginning and end of it right there yeah yeah i don't know about agnosticism and atheism maybe it's no, atheism is I'm going to plant my flag. There is no God. Agnosticism is, you never know. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like, a, it, it's kind of, I guess I view it not as a cop-out because like, like, of course, like how could we possibly know one way or the other? Like, obviously, but that should be like ground zero. And then it's just like their refusal to like, I don't know, like try to try to make distinctions between things. But I guess that's why we're doing this because it's fun. We're trying to run and make distinctions between like what a uh, uh, how notions of spirituality like inform our personal lives and then how it also like affects I don't know cultural shit and then like we hope to do some sort of interviews or just talking about what it means to individual people mm-hmm. and it could mean nothing and if that means we're going to talk about how it doesn't mean anything or how it's uh, something else that's great and if it turns out that we can like have like a real sense of it's like I don't know the presence of another world or some sort of other beings or other other um, entities, parallel continuums that are sort of like informing some of the work that we do here, or at least our motivations and feelings. That's also fun to talk about too. So that's uh, elevation. That's as far as we've gotten, and maybe we'll have a title next time. Yeah. Um, what was that question I wrote down? It was. Um, oh. Um, and then you rephrased it, but basically, can, uh, well, I was reading this essay to Ben earlier about, um, just, uh, increasing awareness of non-human nature, and that idea has, uh, captured my interest, because I feel like we live in a pretty, like, anthropocentric world, you know, the Anthropocene, blah, 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 um, and... Um, taking, uh, just increase, you don't come to the environmental movement without some kind of idea that you want to preserve this non-human aspect of the world. Like, you realize that in, um, in pumping out all these toxins into our world and, um, just, uh, polluting the crap out of it, we are taking down other species besides ourselves. So, um, so yeah, I think that I'm just interested in our role in the non-human world and what we, how we connect with that. So, yeah, can, um, can expanding our awareness of non-human nature help us to participate more? Can expanding our awareness of non-human nature... Uh, encourage us to, to participate? Is that what you said? Uh, yeah, help encourage whatever. Um, 
yeah, help us to, uh, mm, engage with it more. Mm-hmm. Our acknowledgement, so, I guess in the context of something like climate change, where we're, like, you know, spewing carbon pollution, and, like, why, we all know what's going on, why don't we stop, what causes it, what causes people to fight against it in a certain way, what causes people to know about it but not fight against it, mm-hmm. um, so that's trying to say, like, our acknowledgement of... For, first of all, can, what was this that you were reading again today? Oh, I was reading a chapter excerpt from a book by uh, a former magician turned researcher into shamanistic medicine. Um, how, when was this? Who? How long ago did he live? Uh, it was in this... I mean, I don't think he's dead yet. Oh, okay. um, But he went to Bali, of all places, and was... Um, yeah, wrote a little essay on his experiences there, and the book it's from is called Spell of the Sensuous. Spell of the Sensuous. He talks about the sensuous world as being, like, a world that is more, um, I might butcher this, but sensory and, uh, felt rather than seen, and what is, uh, he talks Mm. about shamans as being, like, intermediaries between, like, the human world and the non-human world and everything, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So already we have an acknowledgement of something like basically an external world that we can create all sorts of myth-making from. Uh-huh. And I guess there's so much to talk about just with the, the um, um, implications of that, at it, in, in it being so regularly invoked in all cultures and even in our own imaginations that I think that, like, I think this episode is more about, like, how does that inform specifically the ecological crisis, like... I've always felt that, like, the intensity and urgency and severity of, like, the climate change, the climate crisis, would at some point kind of, like, you would start to see, like, religions and cults and, like, people start to respond to it in such a, I mean, to be honest, like, desperate way, but also genuinely, like, desperate to, like, figure out, holy shit, how could we have fucked up so much and so quickly that, like, you have to, like, latch on to something on your way while you're falling down, you know? And so, like, I feel like I, I knew, you know, at some point there could be, like, I, I, sorry, going back to the beginnings of how religions start are always so fascinating to me as well because, like, of how quickly it can take over um, a culture, a social group, um, and just general, I mean, beyond just, like, groupthink, more something, like, what well, is groupthink, but, like, beyond any kind of, like, short-term, isolated, cult-like thing where there's some, like, spiritual leader, you know, and, like, sort of mass hypnosis. But, like, you take a look at, like, the the pagans and, like, Roman Empire quickly going into, like a, like, a Christian empire. To me, like, the spread of Christianity is something that's really interesting. Basically, I'm wondering at, at what point in this, like, climate crisis or ecological crisis things are going to get so bad that, pe- like, new religions, mass religions, will start to, like, pop up. Or are we sort of in a post-mass religious time? And now, I don't know, what do you think? I think we've got to, like, develop a mythos around climate change. I think it's got to permeate our existing mythos that we have built in the form of like religious beliefs and whatnot and that's got to take a place in in this whole chapter of religion but religions don't just I mean they that's an interesting question how 
What what is the rate of pop up religions? How fast pop up religions? How yeah. fast can we uh, create a religion here and get some people on board? Probably pretty quickly. I'm sure there have been yeah. some. Wait, let, let me ask. You, what do you think is like the most recent mass religion? However you want to define it. Most recent. Yeah. Well, I think capitalism, but <laughs> okay, <laughs> clever. Uh, well, I, I mean, I kind that's not. I even... mean, okay, I guess now do they like, they pray to? I guess now we're gonna like what defines religion? Like, uh, uh-huh. like they pray to a deity. They all have acknowledgement of a external lord or something. Right? Isn't it like the um, the beliefs and culture that link a group of people or something? The beliefs and is that the, yeah, it's, mm. it, it has something to do with your beliefs, your culture, your, yeah. your practices that all link a group of people together. I feel like we just cracked open an even wider chasm here that I want to talk about, but okay. <laughs> not including capitalism, which I, I'm right, not sure okay. that I, I'm not sure that I disagree with you really, but I'm like, taking that idea from American Gods, shout out to the TV <laughs> show where they personify it's the old gods versus the new gods, and the new gods are like capitalism and TV and whatever. So anyway, I mean they're actually like represented by people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> but all the old gods and the gods that you, they represented in that show, they're like based on real things. Yeah, like, they're, they're they're based on all the deities that you know we know. It's like that, uh, you know, that TV show Once Upon a Time. It's like yes. this like very dramatic real life uh tv show about disney characters and this is like but it's like oh it's that person oh it's that person and it's like this kind of avengers coming together super group uh-huh. uh, but this is just a deity it's, i mean it's brilliant it's a brilliant idea it's, who it's, wouldn't want to see that yeah it's um, like it's like uh x-men but everyone you've heard of uh-huh. growing up or something yeah neil gaiman is brilliant See, now we're about to get into a discussion about how superheroes are, like, you know, modern-day mythology God, and gods and stuff. And I mean, has that, you know, has is that the reason behind our uh, sweep? We've been swept up culturally by, uh, you know, fucking Avengers. Maybe. Well, then maybe it's, it's a chicken and the egg thing. Like, I think they come first and then we come second, you know? They can shape culture, but we respond to it in such a way that they are, are like modern mythology and deities, but I, I, I'm tempted to think that, but I feel like, mm, no, like people have to like pray to them. I feel like, like people need to like gather at a fucking well, temple, gather yeah. and have a religious experience surrounding it. I'm sure they do in some places, you know, if you wait in a line long enough. <laughs> but yeah. Like, this brings us back to, uh, ecological crisis, which I feel like <laughs> I'm just trying to say that instead of climate change because I don't want, you know. C word. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to use the C word. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, do we need to like? Do we need to be worshiping something to care more about it? Ooh, there you go. Uh, there you go. Do we need to? Uh, and, and yeah, mm. what would we worship mm. here even? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. do we need to worship something to care about it more? That's a, huh, huh. Um, I, I'm leaning towards no, not so simply. Uh, but I think you have a deeper appreciation for it, which can inform or not inform your ability to take effective action, you know? You might just, like, thank and, you know, you might be on a sinking ship and just continue to thank the walls for, like, holding it over you while it's sinking. But maybe that actually puts too much sense of agency in the places of humans so that it's actually kind of self-centric to think that at some point we can even, like, 
we have such a very self-serious, like, obligation toward it that um, it can that just it, yeah, be that silly. It, or that it has to, like, be held up by our So beliefs. maybe, it's, it's weird because I was about to be like those people that just think and... Well, okay, sorry. <laughs> I don't know who, I even, who I'm even talking about, honestly, when I say those people. <laughs> I guess I, I'm talking about, like, new age hippie people, you know? Um, and what do they do? They... Or anyone that would, like, you know, thank the... Have a sense of, like, thanking the earth, you know? Um, but... I, don't know. I do think that gratitude has to play a much larger part in, um, in the environmental movement in order for us to like not be so just. I think if it's if it's catastrophe, it's if it's apocalypse all the time, that burns people out. It closes, shuts people down. But if uh, if there's some form of like gratitude. Uh, to it, then I, I, I see that as a major role of religion. Like, it, it uh, puts people in a place of uh, cultivating, like, just uh, appreciation. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Appreciation. So, can I ask you, like, do you think that it's a matter of the environmental movement as a narrow group of people needing to change the way we give gratitude or allow, allow ourselves to give gratitude to make ourselves more effective in some way at our work or like beyond the environmental move community movement people working within it since you know a newsflash I don't know if anyone knows but we both work <laughs> in it in, in different capacities um like it's the people outside the environmental movement if they like, does everybody need to become an environmentalist? You know what I mean? Because I, I tend to think if everyone just became an environmentalist in all the different ways that you can just, like, get in a game in some mm-hmm. way, like, we'll make it. But, like, because we're, we don't... I don't know. Like, l- let's get specific. Like, what specific ways have people, can people, like, give gratitude specifically to the Earth? Just, like... Yeah, right? Like, it just feels like there's so much baggage around all of that. Like, every word you just used there, like, gratitude, earth, um, environmentalist. Like, it feels like all of those things put together have so much baggage that people are like, mm-hmm. But gratitude, I mean, I think... Um, I think that the ecological crisis I'm talking about is our disconnect with nature with a capital n Mm -hmm. like i don't yeah i I think it's elitist to say that we have to that you know people have to be like in greenery to appreciate nature like this is the subject of a book i read rambunctious gardens um (laughs) that uh you know nature can be found everywhere actually like even in a little abandoned uh plot of land in uh in you know baltimore or whatever Um, but, yeah, I think that giving gratitude to the earth, a specific example could be, um, I don't know, becoming more aware of, like, where our products come from. Like, these products, ultimately, they, they originated from the earth, so, you know, we interact with things so much these days, and if we just sort of, like, took a little bit more time to understand where these things came from that is one way of connecting Mm -hmm. 
it's not a direct connection, but I, again, circling back, I think it's maybe elitist to demand a direct connection from everyone. Yes, well, I don't know if in it's elitist. In our increasingly but... urbanized world where people don't have equal access to nature. Yeah, it's that sense of, like, um, nature is this pure thing that's outside of our dirty hive, you know? Yeah. And, of course, that's only available to a select group of people. Um, yeah. Hmm. Do you have an example of something we can give gratitude to in nature that... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember when I was, like, in... I was, like, 20 years old... I lived in Israel for about nine months, and I got, like, really into, like, reading about meditation. Basically, somebody spilled water on my laptop, and it died within the first, like, three weeks. I'm like, well, gotta start ordering books now for the rest of this trip. <laughs> it is great. Uh, so, uh, I just, like, read a few books on, like, meditation. I, like, really, um, I remember, like, for years of my life, I would do this thing where I suddenly become extremely aware of my breathing and freak out and be like... Oh shit! I can't think about any other random thoughts because I'm so preoccupied. It. Because I'm, I'm I'm preoccupied on my breathing. I I'm still breathing. Like why am I? It was like it was like this weird brain virus, and I would panic because of it. And then I read this book on meditation. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like that's a good thing. And uh-huh. it was just hilarious because like I'd never even been exposed to that idea. So anyway, um, I read a bunch of books, and um, in that like I read, I don't know, some book about like talking to trees, and mm-hmm. um. For a f- couple months, I would just go and camp out in the Negev Desert outside of Arad. And this is, like, southern Israel. And, like, I would just, like, talk to rocks and trees and stuff. And I'd just see if I could have a conversation. And what did you um, talk about? I don't know. It was all pretty silly. It started off okay. feeling pretty silly. It never stopped feeling silly. Just okay. But it was very fun. And it was just, I don't know. It was kind of a long time ago, so it's hard to qu- tap into that feeling or that sense of, like wanting to do that um just kind of maybe acknowledging where I was and what I was doing and really sort of pausing and being like hey yeah so uh this this is real like here I am and uh I guess I, I would just like to have thoughts that I sort of distilled easier than when I was distracted by being back in the town or something that is interesting like using language as a way of, like, focusing you on the present, because I feel like, uh, like, this essay I was reading and all these other, I don't know, it, it feels like language is blamed as a disconnecting force a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Um, it's... Disconnecting. Like, we don't have a common language with animals, and so how do we connect with animals using our language? But... In this case, for you, it was a connecting force because you were using it to ground you in that moment and to interact with that moment more fully. Yeah, yeah. Than if you had just been lost in your thoughts about other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a kind of pulling out. Uh-huh. Yeah. Interesting. What were we talking about again? <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> What was um, the original thread here? Well, we were trying to answer the question. You had asked the question of... Um, How do you give thanks to nature? Yeah. Yeah. What's an example? Yeah. Anyway, maybe that answered the question. Yeah. You yeah. Uh, you talk to it. I talk to it. Okay. That's what you did. You talked to it. Okay. Okay. I guess I give an example. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Sometimes I'll like look at a tree 
And I'll just be like, you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> what did they do to you? Nothing. No, 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 no. It's a, it's a kind of cheeky thing. I okay. don't know. It's a, like, I see you. I feel like nature has just this weird, dark sense of humor. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, uh-huh. like, um, I don't know. That <laughs> We can bring that up for another time later, too. But it's uh, the fact that it's just there and it doesn't give a fuck I, is something that I find just deeply hilarious in a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But it's weird because it's also kind of like counting on us and it's trying, I think, to communicate with us. And like, I don't know if I'm just opening a door for another episode over here, but mm-hmm. like, um, I think that I don't know if it's true, but I find it very compelling to believe that, um, you know, nature is trying to communicate with us directly to tell us to like work together. Because it knows that, yes, while it doesn't give a fuck about us, like, what is it? It it is, we are a continuation of it, meaning nature. And so it's this, like, collectively, like, twisting evolutionary strain that spans across all sorts of shapes and functions and species. Um, And so, um, you know, like, we're part of it, and it's not, it won't care if we go extinct, but, like life is, like, a good thing. And so, you know, we will try to squiggle our way out of extinction by working to, quote-unquote, protect nature or protect the Earth. Right, which, really, we are protecting ourselves, yeah. Um, And, you know, the charismatic megafauna that we don't want to take down with us. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And the mushrooms. And the mushrooms. Because we like the mushrooms We do. (laughs) Um, I, that brought up an inch the thing about like your laptop dying and everything brought up an interesting thought of um uh at what point does um does a product lose its connection with the natural world in what part of the process of like producing something from the natural world because everything comes from the natural world at what point Mm -hmm. does that it lose its natural quality well, maybe it doesn't ever, because how could it? If yeah. literally everything, there's every there's no distinctions between anything. Yeah, <laughs> neither created nor destroyed. Yep. It's, it's just uh, <laughs> we're applying physics to this. I feel like every time you and I bring up a conversational topic, we just like we just like xylophone the thing into eighteen <laughs> different like subcategories this of discussions. This is how my brain works. <laughs> I'm sorry if people hate yeah. it. <laughs> It's like an accordion of possibilities and, like, uh, just definitions. And then it ultimately squeezes back oh, in. You just fucking... Okay, well, there's a cat that was sleeping behind me. He just scratched my head very hard. Just poked it. I think she's trying to tell us to move on. I think she... Get on with it! We have a cat named Saya. She's our connection to nature right now. Uh-huh. Sometimes I just look at her and I'm like, are you... For real? Like, are you, are you not like a puppet? Like, she's just like a little stuffed animal, but she's real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Food incentive is really big. That is, yeah. But it's just strange to like have, so I had a dog named Mosey who two weeks ago had to be put down and we had that dog for, I don't know, 14 years or so. Yeah. Yeah, it was sad. Um, but... The whole time it was like, you know, you spend so much time with an animal and they just like look at you and 
you can feel them communicating on so many different levels at so many different times throughout every single day. Mm-hmm. And, um, but they don't use words and it's sort of like, uh, yeah, it's, it's very, that is a way to connect with nature. Hmm. And I read some quotes somewhere. I don't remember who said it, but it was like anyone who's gone throughout their entire life and never loved an animal, like never, like, is it, it will like forever, never know like the, whatever, like the full scope of like what it means to like be alive or like they'll forever miss this like other feeling. Mm. I forgot the end of the quote. <laughs> I feel like when people describe pet love, it's really, um, yeah, it, it, there's a lot of obvious bias there because they're saying like, well, we love animals so much because like, uh, they don't talk back and because they just love you unconditionally while well, they do, their big condition is that you feed them. Mm-hmm. But, um, that. uh, <laughs> Yeah, I I feel like that's uh that puts pet pets in a place of um I don't know, that that doesn't feel like a a very hard-earned connection to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. But it's so symbiotic, you know? You realize like this isn't just some random animal that you should feel that weird or uncomfortable about kind of just having around or even in that much of like an awe even though like, you love them. That is just all inducing alone. But like you know, these animals have been, like, bred for millions of years to, like, live symbiotically with human communities. Mm-hmm. And so they're just like, yeah, this is what we do. No, 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 I don't think you understand, human. Like, this is my natural habitat, is in yeah. your kitchen. <laughs> We're co-occupying the space. Yeah, but how can how can we, as uh, self-identified, like, you know, Westerners, like, we, or not even Westerners, but, like, I don't feel grounded in, like, indigenous beliefs of, um, of, uh, animism and whatnot, like, seeing the life force in every being, uh, even though, I don't know, in my, in my, uh, um, wonkier moments, I do strive for that, but how can we expand, how can we apply our, like, our love and desire for connection to Saya here, mm-hmm. to a blade of grass, mm-hmm. or to mm-hmm. something even more abstract, like the air that we breathe? Wow. <laughs> oh, you air. I just want to kiss you air. Yeah. I want to pet you yeah. air. <laughs> what if we had a bunch of air lovers? Air lovers. Start a new movement. <laughs> I'm getting so many kooky visuals in my mind right uh-huh. now of, like... Okay, just people, a bunch of people being like, oh, it's some experiment that, that people did, yeah, in the 70s or something. What? Just something that people probably did in the 70s, you know. I feel oh, like the yeah. 70s, I just, or maybe <laughs> this imaginary time of people just trying out shit. Like, uh-huh. trying out the kind of um, pseudo-formalism formul- of alternative religions. Hmm. But then I feel like something either a cynicism came in or a splintering just arrived at, like, no singular kind of, like, I don't know, whatever the new religious... Zeitgeist. Zeitgeist was, like, in the late 60s, early 70s. There just almost was some people taking it to a level of seriousness. Like, you know, you don't have people kill themselves because they're a part of a cult. And you, you don't have, like, mass cult shit. Really, these days. These days, right? Compared, there was all those, like, yeah, posts that came up in the 70s. Yeah, we're out of the good old days now. Yeah, yeah. 
um, now I feel like you there everything all the sort of s- these new age side religions or whether uh-huh. that's just yoga retreats or whether that is people who have conversations like these who want to try to just I don't know like try out an ecstatic dance thing every once in a uh-huh. while like for, that the whole spectrum has been sort of um, very neatly siloed off. Uh, or not sell it off, but like categorized. And they're like, if you want a little, little bit of this flavor, you, this is a thing. If you want a little bit of this flavor, you can go on this retreat. If you want a little bit of this flavor, come uh, join us on Tuesday nights, you know? Um, so, like, but there's there's no, like, mass religion. Of so you want... Something that acknowledges the earth. Besides, you know, paganism or paganism resurgence. Or yeah. the, maybe the, or the OG paganism era. <laughs> you want a religion <laughs> that encompasses the issues that we face globally, encompasses the Ooh, scope yeah. of the current issue. And totally. to be fair, every generation felt like they faced that issue, I'm told. Yeah, um, I've been told that too, yeah. So, but, you know, this one does feel particularly dire to us. Um, <laughs> Do you think it, that it's, like, narcissistic, narcissistic <laughs> of our generation to compare ourselves to, like, the World War II generation? And then that level of, like, I mean, honestly, probably more than that, but, like, level of uh, annihilation that was sort of... Right, because like, not all countries were involved in that, even. Yeah, exactly. This is something that involves every single country. Forever. Forever. Which like, will lock us in. Where, yeah. what, where is the precedent in totally. history in that, and I don't think there is one. I feel like the, for the past, the beginning of the 20th century, there has been one sort of, you know, barrel of a gun pointed down at the world or another, whether that was World War Two, but I think in the atomic age, I feel like there was more yeah, of that. that's true. But, and it was so, but the, and then if you think about how crazy the atomic, like the Cold War was, that's like crazy, like... We could have completely, like, annihilated ourselves on multiple occasions, and we almost did. Well, how, how many people would a nuclear bomb really take out? I mean, who knows? Like, that's, like, an exponential possibility of, like, Armageddon, you know? It's, like, retaliation, mutually assured destruction. Mm-hmm. I still think climate change is bigger. I'm going to make that case. I, uh, I, it's, think... I think it's apples and oranges. I think, because on one hand, I agree with you, but with, like, nuclear shit, like, imagine even just, like... You know, someone shoots another person with a atomic bomb. Okay, well, now I have to shoot back. And now it's, like, the trauma that that would, like, set off to just make people go insane and start shooting all this shit off. Right. And, like, that all, like, the radiation. I mean, look at what happened in Chernobyl. The whole thing, that like, a reactor went down, and it could have, like, killed so much of the world. I watched that HBO show, Chernobyl. <laughs> really, really fascinating. Yeah, it was uh-huh. good. Yeah. yeah. It's just, like, it could have been so much worse, and it could have spread through the entire globe. Because of the the cloud that just would surround the globe of radiation. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, there have been volcanic eruptions that have, like, uh, influenced the world. I I really, going back, I think, like, unknowingly, the Industrial Revolution Mm. uh, was a start of something affecting the whole world. Because there were, like, I mean, pollution started to just come out. Industrial Revolution, yeah. People started passing all this, like, all these laws targeting pollution disruption because they immediately saw the effects of it. Yeah. But, um... I remember my dad said, like, L.A. during, like, the 60s and 70s, just completely, like, smoggy. 
Yeah. Gross. And like New York too. Hey, hey, yeah, I want to play with you. No, 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 don't mean it. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Oh, I just scared the cat away. No. Oh. No. Yeah, you just opened the door. You're easy. I did. <laughs> now we. I need a pet door. Yeah. I so understand the value of pet doors. I mean, I have dangling with uh, what's that thing? The dangling thing in my room, my doorway, the oh, you have beaded, beaded curtain. curtain. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, she could like brush up against it. Yeah. Hmm. I'm gonna put this on pause for a second. Okay, and we're back. We were at forty minutes. <laughs> oh, wow, that flew by. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh. So okay, I mean, okay, so maybe let's just now that we're kind of nearing the end of the episode, let's just like do any kind of reveal that we want to here. You know, look. How does your sense of mm, spiritual acknowledgement, uh, acknowledgement of an external world of possibilities, and, or whether that's like earth worship or something, how does that inform like the work that you do against this daunting ecological crisis? Um, I feel like on the day-to-day, honestly, uh... It doesn't really. I'm pretty mired in just the um, the need to make money and survive. But when I honestly, when I connect with the community, when I like see, when I'm like in the presence of other people working on this, then I um, I feel a bigger connection to my like why and that why definitely stems from just like a personal experience of growing up with a lot of trees and I just always feel connected back to the land that I grew up on Hmm. so the sense of community so do you say okay yeah I definitely get that too do, do you get a sense of, or or did you at, at any point have a acute awareness of a another force and an, another entity mm-hmm. that um, was like, I don't know, making you care about the ecological crisis, you know, on a level that you were sort of describing? Because um, community helps me sort of maintain that. But, mm-hmm. um, I guess, I don't know. I felt like I didn't really have a community of other people for not that long, but a, a little while that really gave me a reinforcing sense of like, okay, like I'm not crazy or whatever. Um, and maybe I just didn't find the right groups on like online too. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, like an acknowledgement of another entity. Yeah. Yeah, that's true that, like, in the beginning of becoming concerned about the ecological crisis, I was, uh, I felt a little isolated just making my little recycling clubs in school and everything, Mm. and being like, guys, you gotta care. Um. (laughs) uh, I thought you said there's no empathy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But now you have empathy for the giantest thing. Yeah. Um. Because I care what happens to people on the planet. Uh, but, I d- yeah, I don't, I don't know that I, like, 
I look out and I see the world as like something that needs saving or I, I see I like see all these like I, I feel this camaraderie with all the spirits dwelling among us um, that I, I certainly don't feel any like uh, attachment to spirits on another plane. I think visualizing spirits on another plane, like this whole idea of heaven or hell or whatever, like that doesn't really, uh, that's not as relevant to me yeah. um, because that's too far removed. I think that there's enough right here, right now to focus on. Um, but yeah, it's it's more of a sense of just like I, uh, I just care about this place that's like given me a great experience. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Do you feel any connection with a spiritual plane through this work? Yeah. Um through it's funny, through the work, not really. It's like the work itself meaning, you know, like showing up to work and sending email blasts. Yeah. Um, or going to protests. Um, not that I don't feel that at protests. I feel something spiritual if I'm at some protest or group event and I'm really with fellow activists, mm-hmm. sometimes hundreds and thousands of, of them, which is, you know, don't happen that often, but often enough, and I seek it out when I can because it's important, um, even if protests aren't really my thing or my thing anymore. Um, but, like, um, that's like like you mentioned, it's a sense of community. Mm-hmm. Where I sense more is when I'm, like you've described, when I'm by myself in nature, or when I'm, like, you know, taking some mushrooms, or sort of um, having any kind of, like, you know, plant spirit experiences, which, you know, we'll (laughs) save for another episode, Uh but um, I I think just because I know exactly where the source of this comes from, and... um, I think I just had so many kind of mystical experiences, like, both, like, with that in, induced experience, but also, like, by myself in nature, and, like, seeking out a, a kind of communion with nature, mm-hmm. um, really intentionally, for only about a year, but a really sort of defining year for me, and I never sort of went back to it, really, in, in that kind of way, but, um... Like, went back to how you saw things before? Yeah. My willingness to engage directly with communicating with nature. Yeah. I feel like acknowledging it is something that I can do, but having a, some sort of dialogue um, is something that I did for maybe a year um, when I was, like, 20 or something. Yeah. Your regular dialogue. Whereas if I'm by myself in nature, I can acknowledge this sort of like, the uncanny strangeness of all the different shapes and things in nature and how the, like, totality can, like, send me a certain feeling of it that I can acknowledge. Um, But if I'm doing just, like, climate activism work or Mm -hmm. ecological work in the way that you need to because we're working on humans, right? I mean, I'm not, like, cleaning a trail up or anything. Um... I'm trying to get humans to do things in the human realm. I've realized almost to my disappointment and frustration and like never-ending challenge that that takes a different set of skills and motivational motors. And so, like, I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, they say don't... Uh, <laughs> some people have said don't make the 
thing you love be what you like do for an income. But, um, <laughs> well, yeah. here we are. Yeah. Cool, so I will never get paid for music, which is good, because I will never get paid for music. A <laughs> um, plug in here for Ben's music, Leopard mm-hmm. Colony, look them up. Yeah, no, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Save it for the intro music, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's basically summed up how I feel. And I feel like both the things that I just mentioned, the kind of solitary exploration of nature as a separate entity to commune with, and the necessary motivations to deal with addressing the ecological crisis in the human world, those are two just so many splintering subjects that we could just talk about. They, yeah, <laughs> I'm really interested in your bit about the dialogue with nature. Um, what do you feel like? What was the other half of the dialogue like? Mm-hmm. What is what are you getting from it? Um, and yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. Also, yeah. What is the? What are you getting from the community dialogue? Yeah. Hmm. Because I don't know. Sometimes those spaces can be. Uh, I find it most powerful when I hear people's like personal reason for being there rather than just like joining the orgiastic experience of being part of a movement yeah you know one of the first things that like you sort of learn in like i guess any kind of people organizing community organizing is like like yeah people show up for the cause technically but that's they they stick around for the community you know Mm -hmm. and like you have to make a good volunteer experience for people in community and have a good rapport with people um, because, like, the the issue, you know, alone isn't enough to get people to get... Or, or most people, there's always people that will show up, you know, but, like, the necessary amount, there's just not enough people that will show up without a sense of community. And, um, yeah. So you got to have both. Yeah, I feel good. I mean, of course I feel great being part of a larger community. Um, I remember I worked on a carbon tax campaign in the year 2017, or 2016, um, in Washington. And it was very bittersweet, because, like, on one hand, I had a group of people that worked on it, too. Mm -hmm. But I was, like, so excited to get to know the environmental community in Washington, because I had graduated from college in 2014, you know, worked as, as a server for a year and a half on and off and just, like, wanted to really get, find some group that I could feel was worth my time um, on an issue that was big enough to address my sense of urgency. And so it was this carbon tax campaign in Washington. It was the first one in the country, and I was like, fuck yeah, let's do this. And so it was just, like, five kids in a classroom in UW, and we just sort of started this thing, and we got enough signatures to get it on the ballot. There's this whole signature-gathering drive, and... Um, but we had, like, you know, this outside group, and we didn't, like, really, we weren't really part of the other larger environmental community groups, and so, you know, we didn't go through the process of, like, you know, dealing with the different, like, groups and interests and stakeholders and, like, mm-hmm. communities that were involved in, like, crafting a policy, right? Um, but, like, I had such a big sense of urgency that, like, I just wanted to, like, be part of this group, even though this, this other coalition didn't actually have anything, but, like, they had fair concerns right Mm -hmm. um anyway so we like 
I felt very isolated because, like, the entire environmental community in Seattle, which is extensive, um, yeah. like, didn't, um, like, were not supporting us and actively opposing us. And mm-hmm. so I felt like I was, like, this, like, pariah on the very community that I was so eager to, like, join yeah. with. You yeah. were like, let's just do this. Let's yeah. do something right now. Yeah, yeah. And instead, you know, I mean... <laughs> There's got to be a balance, in my yeah. opinion. Like, we, I, you know... We are in into coalition building these days. We're we're building skills in that um, uh, since since your experience with the carbon tax, but um, also just like I don't know. There's there's got to be some level, and I think people are looking for this right now as they're losing faith in the federal government. Um, there's got to be something that we just do right now, like yeah, and it's not. Recycling. It's not anything that was, like, mentioned in a, uh, what was it, an inconvenient truth at the end of his, like, slideshow. Just, like, <laughs> things you can do. Like, Al Gore's fucking slideshow. Those are all out. <laughs> we're going to save the world through a slideshow. In fact, we're going to get hundreds of thousands of other people to do a slideshow. Uh-huh. It's called the Climate Reality Project. Yeah. I'm just kidding. God bless their hearts. I love the Climate Reality Project. <laughs> Check them out, guys. ClimateRealityProject.com. Uh, They're great. Um, but and no, they've 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 you know uh, expanded their tactics. I mean, every organization has tax has tactical weaknesses and you know overemphasis on certain things. They just really like doing slideshows. Yeah, but like <laughs> the people, a lot, plenty of people want to do something right now. They're ready. They're like rabid for it. Um, we, we talk about change all the time, but what are we, like, what can we give people to do right now? Like, how can we plug them into immediate action? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and maybe that would increase a sense of collective urgency if we all had a little bit more, like, uh, autonomy or, like, I don't know, accountability there. No, I think it all just depends on, we need a little bit of love for each other. That's all we need to do. That's all we need to do. Yeah, we need a, just a few more coexist bumper stickers. Uh-huh. We're almost there. We need like maybe five, maybe maybe ten. That's it. We We're need so to move close, out of guys. Seattle. Is what this so conversation close. is leading to. Um, <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some sort of bulletin board. Everybody always asks for a collective community bulletin board, and it still doesn't exist. Yeah. Where would it even be? I mean, Cascadia Climate Action is probably the closest organization that I can think of that kind of, like, took on the idea of that. But even that is a pretty narrow group. I mean, you got to be monitoring all, all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, moderating takes a lot of work. Um, who takes charge of that? So. Yeah. yeah. Okay, going back to... we're still, Okay, we're at, like, 54 minutes here. We wrap it up in about five minutes or something, right? Sure. Um and, uh, so, our, our ending, we usually end with tarot card reading. Unfortunately, we don't really have a deck of tarot cards this time. And, you know, I mean, we can end on a different ritual, too. Mm-hmm. But, um, let's see. Is there a, um, a, I don't know, ritual involving an acknowledgement of, of the earth that either you would like to invent or already exists mm. that you have heard of or seen or resonates with you in some way? Um, I'm thinking too. You said talking to stuff, inanimate objects. I, I kind of like developed this thing when I was younger of touching mm. 
inanimate objects. I'll just randomly touch things, and it, I guess, increases my engagement with them. So, uh, ritual? That is a ritual, because I do it a lot. Regularly, routinely. Hmm. Um, like, does it does that texture? You just, ooh, look at this texture? If I'm passing a tree, I'll touch the tree sometimes. Do you get an energy when you touch it? No. Hmm. Not really. <laughs> but I do feel satisfied. <laughs> okay. <laughs> satisfied. Interesting. I don't know. I, uh, personal fulfillment, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. If I could, like, touch... Especially when I touch, like, the back of my itchy back on a tree, that's very satisfying. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, that's a little anthropocentric, but, um... It is. Yeah, yeah. It's but what can nature do for us. Exactly. What can nature do for me? Exactly. Ask not what nature can do for you. <laughs> Ask what you can do for nature, Ooh, folks. There you go. There you go. Yep. <laughs> yep. I don't... I couldn't find this quote anywhere, but apparently Timothy Leary is, is credited... I heard somebody quote Timothy Leary as saying, um, we must all become secret agents of nature. <laughs> Which uh, was something that maybe made more sense to say during the 60s and 70s. But maybe nowadays, it's like, we must all become a fucking Antifa super soldiers for nature. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm taking this to mean, like, uh, government overthrow, but... I don't know, you know, I, sometimes I, I, uh, I'm I in a stage of my life where I'm like, alright, I'm like working within the system, just because the notion of like, what the fuck working with from without this, outside the system, like you know, blowing shit up or whatever uh, That we can take that up <laughs> uh, like, what that would like look like uh, because, uh that's some scary shit, but um, I don't know, we'll see how bad things get, I have a feeling that when I if I live, you know, to even 60 years old or yeah. 50 you know um, um, that uh, the world's gonna look very different and the people acting out acting against the forces that are destroying this world are gonna be acting with a kind of regularity and collectivity that's gonna be a lot different than what we think it is now or the things that we're doing now mm-hmm. the thing that, that they're gonna be doing there is gonna be I think more extreme or, or at least maybe the notion of fighting back will be a lost cause and we'll just be surviving in a more intensive kind of hanging on kind of way. You don't see corporations as losing their stronghold on resources and... Not on our account. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. I see merits in... Um, <laughs> I see the merit in uh, anarchy and in... Was this question about what's your favorite ritual to give thanks to nature? Yes. Why are we talking about anarchy? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> That's funny. I think I said government overthrow. Okay. Anyway. I, had, I have no idea where some of these conversational threads come from sometimes. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That's, Great. That's what... <laughs> that's the organic process of this, and that's what conversation sounds like, and we're just exploring our mind pathways it's very fun it's like tunnel it's like tunnels of subjects yeah that we're sort of wandering around in yeah yeah okay cool well let's see um I can end on a funny meme I saw which was uh or not end but um (laughs) somebody was like 
my therapist, basically going to therapy is like wandering around uh, the like mental room, uh, rooms of the, the house of, the rooms of my like mental house and my therapist saying, you really live like this? <laughs> uh, I would love a therapist. That just said that instead of being like, mmm, how does that make you feel? Yeah. <laughs> Very clean your shit up. Nice. <laughs> it's basically... <laughs> it's like the uh, uh, queer eye for the straight guy of yeah. the mind. Yeah. The subconscious. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what therapy's gonna be like. <laughs> Give it your mind. Sleep overhaul. Uh-huh. Sleep makeover. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh. And my MacBook just went to sleep, so oh, now it's awake. Okay, folks, well, uh, looks like that's a wrap until next time. Yeah. We hope to crank out one of these, one of these a week would be cool, wow. if possible. Wow. <laughs> okay, okay, well, one every few weeks, one every few weeks. Uh-huh. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, we'll run out of subjects probably pretty quickly. <laughs> oh, no. No? No, no, no. Okay. Actually, the more we talk, the more I, like, all these other subjects just start blooming. So oh, yeah. I I need to keep in these conversations these like bumpers because it's like oh I could but but no we must keep it on topic. Yeah. yeah no. If we if we find a topic broad enough like uh, spiritual elevation through activism or whatever, mm-hmm. there uh, is going to be plenty of subject material. So. Yeah, I, f- I, f- I figured this episode definitely. I'd say we uh, kept it pretty pretty on. Yeah. On subject. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So long, everyone. Bye.